Abun de Boschmaya Nitkadashma Te te malkuta Nehwe sebiana Aikana de Boschmaya Af baraha Hablan lachma de sunkanan yaumana Washbuklan haubain Waktahain Ai Kanadaf Khan Shpokan Habain Ula Dahlan Nesiuna Ela Patsan Min Bisha Amen Our One Absolute Eternal Being of which we are born forth from the realm of the all and the only. I am empty within the awe of your presence and the purity of your name. Empower my creative beingness through your expansion from the ever-present realm as I realize our strength and virtue as one. On the manifest earth as in the unmanifest realm, Provide the nourishment of your insight and realization through me and in every present moment. Release my hidden past as I cancel my past concerns with others. Do not let me lose my true self in forgetfulness, but wholly release me from the errors of my perception. For thy realm is the absolute, the all, and the only and our strength of virtue and magnificence. From cosmic gathering to cosmic gathering, from age to age, may these be the rooted earth from which all of my actions flow. Amen. Holy Spirit within me, living in wholeness, moving in joy and love, I surrender to your will. Bring the radiance of your light into my heart and mind. Merge with me to manifest your will upon the earth. Make me a conduit of your infinite knowledge. Amen. Hello and welcome back to the God-Led Mystics podcast. Today we are going to talk about the full moon in constellation Taurus. I have RJ here with me. Hello, one and all. <laughs> and we are here to discuss the full moon, obviously. Um, we're a little late. RJ and our little tyke was sick last week. And of course, you know, life slows down when there are national holidays. But yep. RJ was we're sick. Right on time. <laughs> yeah, Silas got the... The snotty nose from another friend. So I had uh, I had a little battle with the cold bug for a few days there. And let the record state state that I willed myself not to get sick <laughs> <laughs> after dislocating my shoulder and getting sick and being down for what felt like an eternity. I was like, there is no way I'm getting sick again. 
so um please forgive our delay on getting this up uh it's just been a whirlwind but we're here and on the full moon basically yeah I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty excited to talk about it um because i am obsessed with the pleiades so <laughs> <laughs> so here we are so we have our full moon um on goodness dates what's tomorrow's date it's gonna be the 27th <laughs> on the 27th at 1 15 or, or 1 16 pacific a.m pacific time mm-hmm. or 4 16 eastern time by the time you have listened to this podcast the full moon would have been complete and now you're listening to our lunar report yeah, and usually the energy lasts for about three days. Mm-hmm. On either side. Yeah. So a day and a half, and then it peaks, and then a day and a half, and then it starts to journey through its next phases. Yeah, and I want to remind you, if you've listened to some of our other episodes, we talked about how um, how these stargates are basically... Um, ripples in the time-space continuum. So you can imagine that the full moon is a drop into the water and then it ripples out. So the effects of the full moon can be felt right away, but it also ripples out beyond time and space to um, really evolve and mature the thing about working with these lunations is actually that you have to watch them in six month cycles which i don't think is something that many people talk about right before i gave birth to our son i recorded a podcast called um i believe it was manifest with the moon and it was about how When we work with lunation cycles, we actually have to work with these for six months minimum, if not upwards to a year. And why that really is, is because there's a larger cosmic scale that's happening and is informing us in our life. So if we watch what's happening, every lunation is a stargate that happens in the houses of our birth chart. But the maturation of this doesn't happen until the opposition really happens. So, of course, with Scorpio's sun, um, that means that once we come back into Taurus season, um, we'll see the effects of this uh, time and space. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes maybe I get a little ahead of myself, but... um, I think it's really important to talk about it in this way and give you the actual context of the way that I work with astrology because it's not just like you set an intention on the new moon and then by the next new moon it's complete. And I think that's kind of how like pop astrology is sold to people. Like, oh, set an intention and then, you know, um, 
then in 28 days it's mature but that's not really true it actually has it has like a six month maturation and then when you come full circle you can see the 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 depth of the intention that you set which is why if you're working with astrology you need to have an astrological journal so that you can see one you should have an astrological journey journal excuse me and two you should also really know your birth chart because that will inform you as to where these activations are happening and when you know so um for example this full moon is happening on rj's ascendant so this is happening in his first house this is illuminating basically stuff between us the first and the seventh house um me versus we with with rj being able to know that it informs how we move into this period so it's really important that you know your chart in a way that is like a, an aligned practice yeah so the sun would be on my ascendant mm-hmm so, um, the, I think that there is a lot of emphasis, I don't know, maybe I'm just giving my qualms with astrology right now, but I'm going to do it anyway. It also depends on, like, what your goal is or what you're trying to manifest, you know, if it's something that's a, more of a, a long game kind of uh, scenario then it's like you know you have to be realistic it's not like a new moon you just you're you know i don't know do something that's not really realistic for that time time frame you Mm -hmm. know but if it's something simple and uh, doable then it would be it would be wise to use uh the stars and the planets which create an effect on on the energy that's that takes place and goes into a project when you start it yeah well plus you know knowing your birth chart is just so impactful for knowing these lunation periods because it's kind of like going into spell work blindly in my opinion you know like if so say RJ did not know his ascendant and you know we're gonna go into this new moon phase um afterwards and have a Scorpio new moon if he didn't know that he might make a totally different intention versus once he knows that this new moon is about him it's about his opportunity to discover who he truly is or reinvent himself somehow that really informs the intentional relationship that you're cultivating with the stars. Yeah, and we have uh, Mars within three degrees of the sun. So in in Scorpio, it's own house. So it's uh, it really it really shines or or fuels. As, as far as, I guess, for my case, um, that 
personality and how I'm going to show up in mm. the world. Mm-hmm. So we should maybe back up and talk about the sun moving into Scorpio. I kind of went on a tangent there. I just have a an issue with pop astrology right now. I just yeah. think it's shallow. <laughs> I Can I just air my qualms real quick? Yeah, it's just, you know, anything with that is labeled mainstream and <laughs> that the, that the, you know, the, the group think goes for it. It's not that it's inherently bad. It's just, it has to be questioned and, uh, you know, ran over with experience. I, and I think knowing astrology is great, I, but I really think that if we are giving astrology our power, then we're still not utilizing it correctly. Um, because I've worked with a lot of people who have been told horrible things by astrologers, and I've supported them, you know, in unpacking what they've been told by um, what I would call pop astrologers. And maybe that's not the, the correct terminology. But I just really think that having a relationship with your chart deeply impacts the way that you show up to your world and in the way that you deeply desire to be here. And so doing these episodes are really intended to bring you closer into your own natural energetic field. Um, Please don't just take my word for it. Go and study your chart. Uh, It's important. Yeah, it's the best. You gotta gotta have skin in the game. (laughs) Gotta hate that phrase, too. You gotta... (laughs) Makes my skin crawl. You know, and it's all... You know what? You have to think about the season, too. Yeah. It goes into effect. You know, when you're doing a reading or when something when someone was born what season they were born in because mm-hmm. goes into their their personality their life path their um whether where they're strong or weak you know yeah so the sun is obviously in scorpio no i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> You know, I I think it's easy to confuse the Scorpio Sagittarius energy when it comes to tropical astrology because Scorpio is deep and Sagittarius is deep in its own way. Sagittarius is, you know, really interested in looking at bigger pictures, which goes into the depths of things. Um, and so there's different aims though you know? yeah definitely different aims but I, I still feel like Scorpio gets you know gets really deep yeah for sure um, that's where I, I feel the energy right now um, with Scorpio is like I feel like people are creating deeper friendships right now um I don't know, I, I feel like Scorpio is underrated when it comes to, like, um, de- on a beneficial way. For sure. Desired 
having connection mm-hmm. and friendships and good experiences and uh, like doing things um, in an active way with the people that you have solid connections with or mending connections which goes into some tying in some different planetary bodies in with this too yeah well I feel like if we just even stop to consider what that really means I feel like true friendship and kinship is created through vulnerability and authenticity and connectiveness Um, and I think that Scorpio really excels in that realm and that's why people kind of push Scorpio to the side. It can be kind of intense. Yeah, of it's course like it can keeping be. Keeping it real. Scorpio keeps it real. Yeah, well, Scorpio is piercing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, um, it's thought-provoking. And it points out the areas of life that some people might not want to see. Um, yeah. And I think that that is actually what creates true bonds between people. Uh, I think having true, authentic kinship in our life comes from the depths. I mean, how many of your friends would you trust to hold you in times of pain? And I mean true pain, like a divorce or the loss of your child or... It's kind of the season, too, where everything, you know, all the the plants have withdrawn their energy from the flowers and stems and, and leaves and all that into the, into the roots. Yeah, for the Northern able, Hemisphere. For the Northern Hemisphere, yeah. Yeah, if you're in Australia, it's summer in December. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a different... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't like thinking about, you know, astrology from the... Um, locational, seasonal, because it just, it doesn't seem to really like, it's, it's, it seems to only honor the western, northern half. Yeah. That's where, that's where discrepancies (laughs) come into play. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, here, but then, you know, we have to consider then what does Scorpio look like for spring if not getting to the nutrients in the soil if not to digging their roots deep into the ground to create this underground network yeah kind of feel like I threw you a curveball there (laughs) yeah I mean that's that's something The, I don't know if there should be like be even different <laughs> systems in the in the southern hemisphere. I've I've asked that question, and I've also asked people, you know, who are in the southern hemisphere. Tell me what the sky looks like, and it's well, there's the Southern Cross and all that, but it's yeah, just, it's different, you know. Yeah, for sure. I just I'm. You I mean, know, the water goes down and. It, in the opposite direction in there. <laughs> so it, there's different ways the energy hits right. because of the polarity For sure. of the northern and southern poles. Yeah. 
so I just really want to deconstruct that idea that this like this astrology is seasonal because it, it only honors the northern hemisphere anyway I had that awakening when I went to Peru and I was yeah, like makes sense. I was like wait we're in a totally opposite season I was like astrology's a lie no um <laughs> the pop western astrology to me became a lie in that moment because i had to consider and reframe well if it's libra season right now then how does that apply because we we consider you know libra season to be harvest and it's not when i'm in the south so then it has the then it has other correspondences yeah and i think that gives the whole picture yeah for sure so but for us here that's what correspondences would play into effect mm-hmm. so we do have listeners in the southern hemisphere no doubt <laughs> yeah i'm thinking about you all right now uh-huh. that's good <laughs> yeah so this is scorpio my partner is a scorpio scorpio rising oh god it? it's then- the same thing <laughs> Well, especially with, you know, Sun and Aries as well, conjunct uh, <clears throat> Luckily Mercury. for you, I have Jupiter and Scorpio. Yeah, so you <laughs> add to it. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> That's true. We both have Jupiter on our ascendance, for better or for worse. I don't, have, I don't think I had Jupiter on my ascendant. No, my Jupiter is on your ascendant, oh, and your that, Jupiter is on way. my ascendant. It's crazy. Yeah. I think it's beneficial. It's crazy for the listeners. It's, it's big. It's, you know, <laughs> it's quite annoying sometimes. It's, uh, you know. He made me fat, and he got me pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was teamwork. <laughs> Okay, moving on. Um, one day I will be back to my <laughs> my normal body self. <laughs> okay. You got, got work to do. <laughs> now the listeners know my insecurity. <laughs> well, that's this is also also involved in this Scorpio energy that deep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Occult yeah, yeah. in the sexuality. Yes, I know. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so. There's nothing wrong with that, with that, you know? We wouldn't be talking to you right now if uh, we didn't have that drive. For sure. As a human species, <laughs> we'd be extinct. <laughs> By that, he means sex. Um, so, yeah. And connection as well. This is true. That's why, you know cast away he had to make a friend oh good Wilson. lord <laughs> connection is <laughs> people overlook it i know as far as survival i mean look at how you know the whole virus panned out yeah that really that was intense you know even for me um a lot of my family was kind of like in their own journey right now and we haven't really came together so, hoping we come together soon because I love my people. Mm, RJ does love his people. So, um, the the sun moved into Scorpio a few days ago, 
Um, when we work with constellation astrology, there is no like definitive. I would say that there is very little definitive knowledge as to like where things are. I feel like things have void spaces or spaces where it's like, you know, in between two realms. Um, and so officially the sun is in Scorpio, although for the last week we could say that it was kind of ebbing in between Libra and Scorpio closely following the sun in Scorpio is Mars. Mars is right behind the sun uh, and once again tailing this um, this full moon. The, the new moon had a Mars conjunction, yeah? I believe in Libra. Yeah, because yeah, the sun the, the sun in Libra. Sun and Mars in Libra. Anyway, um, With the sun in Scorpio, we, well, we're really looking at the depths and exploring truth. I feel like Scorpio is really connected to um, oh my goodness. True. I just want to say truth. I mean authenticity. Yeah, I feel like they, I feel like we think about that with Libra, but Scorpio oversees like what it is that we might try to hide from others, yeah. what it is that like motives that might go unsaid, agendas that are beneath the surface. Um, and by that, I think that is the eternal truth because everything that we do has a motivation and an unconscious factor of how we move in this life and a lot of us are deeply connected to um unconscious wounds and our pain body and states of suffering um i'm not exempt from this uh i feel like rj and i have been going through our own death process of like ways that you know i personally i won't i won't speak for rj but ways that I still have deep inner work to do on my own heart and my own pain body um and I hate it (laughs) well yeah so you know the sun and Mars being in Scorpio this is also connected to Aries you know because Mars rules Aries and Jupiter's there Uranus is there in Aries as well, so I feel like there's that sense of justice also tied to the energy right now and bringing bringing awareness and the, the conscious mind um, to see to see these patterns <laughs> that have played out, and I think at least from my experience and my perspective of just day to day is things are starting to like come together and cleaning up just unnecessary clutter and stuff around uh 
whether it be from the physical space or, or the mind. So I think that all this is like a culmination of how we can how we can better ourselves, how we can put ourselves out there and and really come closer to our purpose in the grand scheme of things and start getting out some long game plans. I feel like we've said that in the last three episodes. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, at least at least for us, we've uh, we've been working a lot on getting some momentum forward in our lives. Yes, but we also have had like very prominent activations with with the last couple like lunar periods because they've happened on our angles. Explain further. Well, I mean, you're this is on your ascendant and the Virgo Pisces stuff happened on both of our um, midheavens and ICs, Nadirs. Um, and I think, you know, I'm looking at Jupiter and Aries and I'm thinking about war, really, and just how I think that things are going to look crazier for some time. Um, I actually think that with Jupiter and Aries, I feel like war is going to be um, magnetized or uh, created in... um, I don't know if I should say created, but... um, It's... Or it's it's like um, dramatized or exaggerated or um, built up more, and with the, with Mars being with these past two lunations, I think that it's building up. I think that the shadow aspect of Mars, which is violence, is coming to the surface, and I think that this is part of the collective pain body. So I don't, I, I hear what you're saying, but I feel like we can't move towards our purpose unless we face our internal turmoil. And I feel like, I can see that. I feel like that's the negative aspect that's being revealed with, um, Jupiter and Aries and Mars being conjunct both the sun in these past two lunations. I feel yeah, like it's square it's square in Saturn as well. I feel like when we when we don't address our internal drives and passion, violence is the answer. Anger is usually a response to something that's unmet within us. Some sort of unmet desire, unmet drive, unmet passion. Um and of course, please if you're listening to this and you think, well, how does that apply to when someone crosses my boundaries? It doesn't. This is when you're unnecessarily angry 
for what appears to be no good reason. Um, So there are cases where anger is justified based on another person's treatment of you. But the times where you find yourself in anger for what seems like no reason at all, this is usually an unmet internal desire that's been shoved down of some sort. And that is the, you know, negative aspect of Mars and Jupiter and Aries, uh, I believe. Yeah, I could definitely get, I could definitely get freaking hot real quick. Yeah. But it's um, that fire and ice that going back and forth. It's like, um, boiling water, you know? Yeah. I just with it square in Saturn, it's that Saturn being, you know, connected to the the higher mind and that that wisdom, like the ancient wisdom. Uh it could be hard to it could be hard to tame that I don't know, being polarized, like choosing sides, like I'm with this side or I'm with that side and then those two sides I just have a feud you know and then it causes causes people to I think it's important think they're all indignated and I think it's important that you know your bias and you know where you stand but also to choose the middle ground in that like I'm thinking well, I'm a constellation astrologer. That's that's where I live. And I don't participate in Western astrology. But I also can love people who are. And I don't have to fix them or condemn, condemn them or tell them that they're wrong. Yeah. You know? And so that that's... I, I feel like I hear what you're saying. And I also, like, want to add that to the conversation. Because I feel like that's For important. Sure. And that's that's a form of self-mastery. Like, in the beginning of my constellation journey, I used to be like, noobs. Well, the next thing... <laughs> the newest thing to be divided on is, you know, Israel or Palestine right now. So it's just like... Well, that's a no-brainer. Man. Yeah. <laughs> People are falling for it big time, you know. And I just want, obviously, both sides to be at peace. Yeah, for sure. But it's obviously more complex than that. Yeah. So, but, you know, it's like two bickering, you know, adolescents. Like, you started it. No, you started it. No, this is mine. This is mine. And it's like, man. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, and I also think that, like, it's way, way more complex than that. For sure. I think the fact that there's even, like, Ali brought up the other day, they have marketing campaigns towards what, you know, what Israel is doing, or... It's just all weird. Both sides have propaganda, man. Well, of course, but we're seeing, like, she... We're seeing, not, I mean, I really don't want to get into this conversation, but we're just seeing a lot of push on, you know, 
understand where X, Y, and Z is coming from. And it's all just disgusting. It's all just horrible. Horrible and horrific. That's a new word. I like it, though. Horrible. Oh, God, I don't like it. I just... (laughs) I don't like talking about these things because I think that they're disgusting. And the fact that we can... I don't know. I just can't. It's all part of the dialectic, and that's what I'm tying in with it, you know? That fire and ice... Yeah, it's just like... You know, the whole left-right paradigm and all that. It's it's becoming like a powder keg, you know? It's like we can... I know as a human species, we're smarter than that, and we're going to overcome it. The, The whole thing is like, it just makes me really ill. It makes me ill. It makes me feel terrible, and... um. I don't think that humans were designed to take on the emotions of all of this stuff, and I, I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> I've well, said I, I hate I it personally, many times. I personally don't think it could draw on and last very long because of the the connection that humans have across across the planet. You know, we can talk to pretty much anyone, anywhere, save probably certain countries. I don't know. But the reason I was I was thinking about the positive on this with the moon being in Taurus is we're digging deeper on what we really value where we're really headed and that's what I'm thinking about in the long game you know and Venus Venus's connection to Taurus being in Virgo I feel like getting organized Uh, it's been the theme it's been the theme in our life uh big time yeah but even more than that for me we are having like this pleiades activation it's the moon is not exact but when you go outside and look up you will see the pleiades above you and so um now is a really powerful time to be working with the frequency of the pleiades and the seven sisters of the pleiades who, you know, span across all cultures and um Yeah, you're more knowledgeable than me on on the different star families. What what do the Pleiadians like specialize in? What is their manifestation? And okay. not manifestation in the way that we often consider um, the Pleiades are excellent, uh, they're very thought-oriented, so, um, they know that their thoughts create choices, and those choices create manifestations, so when we work with the, the Seven Sisters of the Pleiades, we're really working with bringing into fruition the internal 
realities that we're carrying, which is one of the major reasons that it's really hard for me to even talk about war because internally I cannot live with it inside of my body. It like makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that maybe some people might call that bypassing, but I don't think that I need to, you know, um, continue to flesh out something that is eternally wrong. I think that humans being mean to other humans is completely immoral and I don't understand how we've made it to 2024 while war and trauma and subjugation and rape even is still yeah such a prominent thing inside of our lives it is genuinely like disturbing to me to consider and I guess like (sighs) I didn't mean to get here with the Pleiades but this is intense, you know? I think that, like, you know, what we spend our time thinking about really creates the world that we live in. And, like, I was talking about violence and unmet internal desires. When we are eternally unmatched with our soul desires, we create problems. We create areas where we act out. We create areas where we're living in war because of the internal schism. Everything that happens in this world is started with a thought. And I know that for some people that can be really hard to wrap their minds around. And I know for some people it can be really hard to wrap around the idea that your thoughts create your reality that the way that you think to yourself creates your reality but that is an eternal fact and truth that is both that simple and more complex yeah it's usually the reoccurring thoughts right it's not like you just think that you're gonna fall off a cliff and then you do the next day you know that cloud you know Mm -hmm. looks like this and it's coming down or whatever and you know yeah it's those chronic thoughts of like I'm not good enough or I can't have what I desire or you know the world is against me this creates schisms that eternally perpetuate outside of ourselves and we see that with just even like the colonization efforts in the west or the way that the Roman Catholic Church has dominated they have and I'm saying this very loosely a lot of them have come from this belief that they need more or what they have is not enough or they need to you know be in control of the paradigm or they know more people don't have what they have so they need to conquer and show them the way Um, you know and this is created thought forms that have been passed down from generation to generation depending on what cultures and paradigms you've lived in if you've been told that your brothers and sisters you know to the south of you are heathens then you're gonna think yeah since you were born yeah you're gonna have certain (laughs) thoughts especially that choose to create a relationship with them based on what you believe about them 
And it affects the whole environment, too. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, look at farming. We have this, you know, this, like, this relationship to the earth that is just demanding. And um, it's, it's, to me, it's really rooted in slavery and subjugation and rape in yeah, a sense that, that's that dark side of the jupiterian age yeah and so we you know the when we go into the belief that the earth we are demanding the earth to provide for us um we ultimately end up hurting the earth and we see that now with insecticides pesticides um, herbicides we see that in the way that we've used fertilizers and of course you know cutting down forest um, for palm oil or um, what have you it's just like when we when we have this idea it's like when we have a nefarious beast inside of us, there is something that gets born of that, and a lot of that is war and rape and pillaging. And I'm so sorry, maybe I should put a trigger warning on this, but um, I just can't imagine, like taking advantage of someone or hurting someone in those types of ways and the fact that we still live in an age where these horrors happen just mortifies me yeah yeah definitely a lot more awareness has been shed upon these things I think they've tried I think you know quote unquote they you know the the dark forces, if you will, have tried to start wars a few times in the past 10 years, and it, people are just, like, not having it, so they're just, they're gonna keep trying, but... Yeah, and it feels like what's happening now is, like, a glitch in the matrix, if you will, because it's, like, everyone is claiming what they want, which is for it to end, and yeah. they're saying, basically, fuck you. We don't care what you want. We're going to keep doing it. Yeah, that's why I was just like, these these freaking weirdos are just like, they should just box it out between themselves. Just put them in a boxing ring. And oh, just God. Like, just figure it out. Get kind it over of, with. Get it out. Kind no one of dies. Like, <laughs> just, you know, okay, if you lose, you lose. And honor, you know, that's the, the old ways, you know, of, yeah, I was thinking, like, you know, the original medieval battles. Like, okay, if you and I want to go sword to sword, we can stop this battle from happening. And if yeah. the other one's a coward, they're like, no, have my no. army. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, I was trying <clears throat> to keep this on a positive note because I love the Pleiades, but apparently we had to get through the darkness. Well, there's always a lesson to learn in the... In that turbid energy. Yeah, and I, I really want like our listeners to walk away from this podcast feeling like, I know what to do next. Yeah. <laughs> Not that I necessarily need to give you the answers on what to do next, but I really 
hope that when you listen to this, you find whatever is resonant within this that holds the key to your universal blueprint. So the moon is actually in exaltation. So the moon and Taurus um, is like, it's prime. Uh, And the sun, the sun is fine in Scorpio, but Mars is in its prime in Scorpio. This is a yin version. So both Scorpio and Taurus are considered yin polarities. So this, this lunar period might feel like really coming within it might really feel like being within your world it might feel like pushing things outside of you um, to the wayside and really coming into what it is you actually believe where you can source your answers from where you can discover within yourself what to do next and the Pleiades I think I just kind of breezed over the Pleiades because I'm still feeling a little sick there um but the seven sisters of the Pleiades, like when we're working with star family, you really need to call them in and see for yourself what happens with them. Because every every archetype of the star family has its own frequency. And I think that it's kind of silly to um, boil them down to one category, if that makes sense. Like, I still, I simplify them sometimes, yes, I'm guilty of that, but I think that they're a lot more than we give them credit for. Like the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters of the Pleiades, I really think that they are kind of the, um, like, grandmothers of the, the Venus Council. And for those of you who don't know what the Venus Council is, Venus is considered our twin sister, like Earth's dimensional, Earth's higher dimensional twin sister. And Venus is considered to hold the, all of the ascended masters who have walked this planet and ascended. So that would include Kuan Yin, that would include um, Mary Magdalene, that would include Yeshua, who people call Jesus, the Buddha, um, of course we could include Yogananda in there, and tons of other, you know, holy, holy people that have walked this planet, Enoch, um, Huangdi in the Chinese tradition mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Uh, insert your person here. And it's considered like on a star level that they would have then, you know, basically gone to Venus and become like the council member. Like basically if you, if you, if you complete your life, your third dimensional life and commit your soul to service to others that are ready to liberate themselves from third dimensional reality, you would go to Venus next, more or less. I'm kind of simplifying, but I hope you get the gist. So my Reiki lineage is of the Venus path of the morning star. And, um, our Reiki elders are considered people who were exemplary in their skills and, you know, became 
the keepers of this knowledge. So in my opinion, and I'm not sure if this has ever been stated anywhere else, the seven sisters of the Pleiades are like the grandmothers to the the Venusian council that we have on this planet. So to me, the Pleiades really (sighs) represents the star beings and higher dimensional guides which are supporting Earth's evolution and giving Earth the star wisdom that is wholly available to us. And we see this across all cultures. Every culture has a relationship to the seven sisters of the Pleiades. So, white buffalo calf woman was said to have come from the Pleiades. Just the same as her sisters, corn woman, turtle woman, I'm trying to think of the others. The Greeks have their own names for the seven sisters. One of them is Maya. That's how we get the name for May, because the sun is typically in relation to the Pleiades during May. The ancient Egyptians had relationships with the Pleiades, and we know that too, also with the alignment of the Orion's belt. Um, The Pleiades, I believe, have a natural pathway to Orion, So it's kind of like um, a gateway, if you will, to the wisdom of the Orion Star Nation. But what I really feel that the Pleiades helps us understand is the cosmic wisdom that is moving through us and how we utilize our thought to create certain vibrational resonances. So a really great example of that would be if, okay, this is going to sound really funny, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. Um, <laughs> I cannot believe I have to tell you this. My child, our child, moved the toilet paper, and my first thought was, what, was, what did RJ do with this toilet paper? <laughs> no. That showed me how quick I am to blame RJ for an inconvenience. When I know, in fact, it was our child. Because currently our child is obsessed with sitting on the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> He'll want to stand up on it and then <laughs> go over to try and reach over to the sink. And I'm like, hey, watch your feet there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> So in that way, right, like how I operate with RJ, if RJ is the reason for my inconveniences, how I operate with RJ is going to be totally dependent on that belief system and structure that I'm holding. If he's the problem for my inconveniences, then we will never have harmony with each other because he's a nuisance in my mind. Well, that sh- that goes into... A reflection of the collective consciousness that where they want to 
um, push off right. responsibility and find someone to blame. You know, right. like these people are the problem for mm-hmm. these other people suffering, you know, or my people suffering or whatever. And they want to, you know, scapegoat people. Right. Because it's easy to find, to, it's easy to put out the responsibility on to another rather than looking in, into oneself and saying, huh, what is this teaching myself and that's about the whole, me? That's the whole point of self-mastery. Right, right. Is like we okay, so one, I have to recognize that thought and then two, I have to ask myself, Well, how is this thought like feeding me? Well, obviously since it's RJ's fault, then the reason why my life isn't working out is because RJ is not making my life work out. Therefore it's not my problem. I don't need to get better. I don't need to hone my skills. I don't need to learn time management. I don't need to, you know, insert XYZ here because RJ is a problem. So if I get rid of RJ or I push him out of my space, then my problem should be solved, right? Wrong. <laughs> I'm my own problem. <laughs> and I think really like that's kind of the medicine of the Pleiades. The seven sisters of the Pleiades reveal to you where you are out of alignment with what your soul actually desires. And I know that, like I said, we've said this many times in our episodes, but I truly believe that we're here to answer to our soul's desires. And so as young children, we are conditioned, and it happens so easily, Young children are conditioned to not listen to their soul desires. And it happens as simply as, you know, our son goes to turn um, to, to turn the knob on the heater and we tell him no. Obviously, we have to keep him safe. But we still, like, I think this is a great example of how these soul desires get kind of pushed around as children we have to find like a way you know to honor our children's desires while also keeping them safe am i making sense yeah i and i i I think that that it's like so basic and also so annoying (laughs) because then you know we have to consider okay there is such a high level of mastery like okay my child is going to grab this or you know many things oh Grab yeah many things yeah like uh, <laughs> get up sometimes our son right now has been like standing up in the middle of the night it's kind of a funny little thing that he's been doing and my response is to tell him to lay back down and again maybe this is an extreme example but it takes like it takes high level mastery for me to say okay my child is having a desire and I need to respond to that appropriately. So anyway, I'm kind of going off on a tangent, but we're effectively separated from our soul desires at a very young age and we have to consider all the ways that our thoughts and our choices are in opposition to what it is that we're actually here to fulfill. So, how does that look 
for dealing with a rambunctious toddler. I'm not entirely sure yet. I'm figuring it out day by day. (laughs) And I'm really working on doing it in a way that preserves his internal desire. Um, But I know that it comes from answering to my soul desire first. So we can't create the reality we deeply desire to live in when our internal matrix is in opposition to that. That's what I feel like the Pleiades really um, harnesses and holds. Yeah, it's like so many people have been programmed to... uh, They've been programmed to just go through the motions of the day. And, you know, they... Unfortunately, no, my- yeah, they they rarely follow those soul's desire of, you know... Well, and I think that's why we've gotten where we are with war. Totally. With, with war, conflict. With money. All that. Yeah, it's just like... <laughs> <clears throat> people have abdicated the responsibility within themselves to create a life that they enjoy find people that have done what they want to do as far as what you know what fuels them what motivates them uh you know, and even when you're doing something you love, some there's some days where you just want to not do. <laughs> you know, you wanna, and that's you okay. You want to do not doing. I think I think that's, that's necessary. Yeah. I think all things have a, a rest period, and I think it's important that we honor that rest period. I think like what you're describing right now is the exact reason as to why we are where we are. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we should be able to honor those days where we need them off. We should be able to take a week off if if we need to recover, if we're not feeling it. Um, at least, you know, for women, women are much more in tune with that type of cycle than men are. So I feel like, I feel like when you feel it, something is wrong. <laughs> And I don't mean that in the way that I need to fix you, but sometimes I want, like, I get freaked out a little bit. Yeah, like, for example, like, doing uh, my Qigong, I love doing it, you know? Uh, But I go through some phases where it just takes a lot of want to, Mm -hmm. to do my practice, and then sometimes I'm like, I just need to take a break. Yeah. And then I get back into it. It's I like just... going to the gym. Like, you can take a day to two days off, but if you go beyond three days, we got to throw you in there. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. And then that's what, you know, that's what I feel about these uh, astrological connections is like, you know, our connections as a resource. Mm-hmm. And... Like, I, I called 
a buddy up from I haven't seen for a while, and he he practices qigong as well. And I'm like, dude, we got to get together and you know do some stuff and do do some uh, qigong and like I learned some new things I'd like to share with you and you know like stuff like that. It really it's extremely valuable at least to right. me and it helps keep that momentum and um and build and that sets that sets like a resonance in the quantum field of of your body mm-hmm. that sends and receives signals and you may get like a a subconscious intuition feeling of doing something going somewhere um putting something out there whether it be on the internet or whatever whatever like a on the billboard or you know or you had a desire to go to some little market and then you come across the path with another person that you were Mm -hmm. supposed to meet and it's just really cool yeah i i want to share that you know rj and i have had this spirit baby we've been working with and as I've been tuning into this spirit baby, I was like, well, when I'm pregnant, I'm going to follow all my instincts. I'm going to follow every internal hit that I have. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. When I'm pregnant, like, why don't I start that right now? Mm-hmm. Why don't I start it right this moment? Like when I have a hit to write something, I need to do it. Even if I can't complete it because I have to run after a toddler, at least I got what was necessary out. And I think, I think following those little soul urges begin to really show us how deeply, deeply interconnected this is. Because I think that people sometimes believe that their soul desires need to be like this grand scheme, you know, like if you don't have a soul desire to build a seven-figure company or, you know, to go save starving children in another country right. or to do this... It could then... be, like, you know, your soul desires to, you know, grab a book that you want to read and right. go sit out in the sun and fully be immersed in the content and, you know, whatever it may be for... Right. So what I'm I was I was trying to say is that sometimes it feels like if our soul desires aren't grand, they aren't real, or they aren't worth it, or they're not true soul desires. And so, like RJ said, um, I feel like our soul desires come in little hits. Like if you don't listen to your soul desire, then it's never going to reveal itself. Why would your soul desire say, go build a seven-figure business when you can't even listen to your soul desire to go read a book in the sun? Yeah, or mine the other day was to go ride dirt bike with my buddy, and he showed me a secret river spot, and I was like, wow. <laughs> we're going to be hitting this up next summer. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty amazing. I guess. So... Like, but it was it fit, it fed the soul, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I, I felt good. I, I felt energized. Created a, a more a deeper connection with my with my friend. 
you know? Yeah. So in order to listen to your soul desire, you have to first know what's telling you not to. And I think that's where the medicine of the Pleiades and manifestation and thought really tie in. If your soul desire says, you know, go ride your dirt bike and you're thinking, well, I have 500 other things to do there, it's revealing to you what thoughts and choices you're prioritizing over answering to your soul desire. And that's exactly where we can do our work. That's exactly where self-mastery comes into play. And I think that it's important that we prioritize listening to those inner nudges than, you know, denying them or rationalizing or, you know, trying to convince otherwise. Yeah. So we're over an hour here. Um, Are there any final words about this lunation? Well... I feel like I we, haven't, wrap, we haven't really talked about Mercury. It's also in there with the, in Scorpio. I feel like we totally personified Mercury and Scorpio by going into the depths. Yeah. I think, uh, I think that pretty much wraps it up. I'm looking at the chart here and it seems like there's a pretty good mix of trines and squares. So I feel, I mean, full moons are, you know, in opposition in a time where things are illuminated anyway. But I feel like this lunation is a is a really prominent time for just considering where things flow and where you need to work at it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a interesting pattern laid out on the chart here. There's almost an equal amount of squares and trines. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, it's just going to be a mixed bag, you know? Yeah. Which is, which is kind of good, you know? It's setting the stage. I think the best thing that we can do for ourselves during this lunation and these days following is to really get right with ourselves and to commit ourselves to living in truth and authenticity and right relation with who we are and what we desire. What do you say, RJ? Yeah, that hits the nail on the head. As far as us, you know, we're we're working towards um, creating a better life and connecting with people that are in alignment with you know our our mission in life mm. you know mm-hmm. we're looking forward to getting in this cabin we're gonna get it ready we get possible snow over here with some with some ice energy. So we're getting all our ducks in a row here. We're getting all the firewood. <laughs> you know, it's been a lot of work. 
but that's that's what I feel like it's gonna be work, but it's it's gonna pay off in the long run. Moving forward. Thank you for being here. And as always, if you have enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the Substack. If you're on Substack, uh, if you're finding us on Spotify or Apple or any other podcasting app, please follow us there as well. So thank you all. Have a blessed day. Happy full moon.